So good morning, Eastside family. We want to encourage our children ages four through third grade. You're more than welcome to go to junior worship. It's in that direction as they're going. I also want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship service. It's as tight as it can be. All right, if, if it does again, I'll just go to this, okay? Oh, man, I wanted to walk around the day. Keep trying? Okay, we'll keep working on it. So an extremely important aspect of our worship service is our offering. It's not just the business of the church. And so we want to remind you of four ways that you can give your offering. You can mail your check to the church address. A number of you do that. We appreciate your, your giving. You can give in a, through an automatic draft in the bank. Really easy to do that. You can go online to eastsidesprings.com. There's a little button. You can do it in that way. Or for those of you that are in person, there's a basket that you can contribute as you're walking on your way out there. Now, let me just mention to you before we get into our passage today, one of the most important, one of the most important ministries in our church is our microphones working. That's just like... We, Todd, we really appreciate you. And we're going, yeah. <laughs> this is church, but I'm going to tell you where church really happens. It's in our small group ministry. That's probably one of the most important places where you can connect and grow and serve in our, in our church family. And so we are, we are a little bit behind because of COVID. <laughs> I don't want to start complaining there, but a little bit behind there, and so we're kicking off a little bit later than usual. We just did three weeks of trying to encourage some of you guys to open your homes, be leaders, and everything like that. And so also, we want to start now with life group sign-ups, and so we have our tables. They used to be there, but that's getting really congested over there. So we have life group sign-up tables over there with the sheets that are there. I want to encourage you to go over there and um, sign up for a group. I'm going to be there to talk to you about the groups as well. I have three people. We have three people in our church that lead that ministry. None of them are able to be here today, so I'm covering that man that all by myself. But come over there. I'll talk to you about the tables. Talk to you, not about the tables. I'll talk to you about the life groups and um, tell you what they are. And if you say, well, I'm not sure which one. I, I've got a good pulse for, feel for all of the groups. I can point you in the right direction, say this would be a group you might want to consider. Now, here's the only challenge with that. I would like for you to go ahead and do that immediately after church. I'll be over there. I have friends in town I haven't seen since I was in college. We're talking about 15 years back or something like that. And um, what's funny? I haven't seen them, like, since college. They're here. They are taking me and Karen out to lunch. They're paying. And so I'm not going to stay back there really long. I don't want to miss this, all right? So if you want to be in a life group, you want to know about life groups, I want to talk to you about it. Um, come back to that table. You can kind of see the big orange couch picture um, sign back there. I'll be there waiting for you. So this week, somebody made fun of me. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine somebody making fun of me? And they said to me, Eddie, I, th I, think, that, I think that there's one word in Jude that you actually left out. Well, I'll have you know. He's not even looking at me right now. He's on his phone. I'll have you know that we're covering, stretching ourselves today to two whole verses, all right? Let's go to Jude 22 and 23. Jude 22 and 23. Incredibly relevant, this is. I read this and all I said, oh, this is by itself needs to be spoken about. 
Verse 22, be merciful. I was like, that'd be enough. There's a sermon. Just be merciful. Let's go home. Be merciful. If we could just be merciful. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy. There's that word. It comes up a lot in Jude. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now if there is one area in my married life that needs to be improved. And there's more than one, okay? So I'm just going to confess one this morning. It's that, um, Karen's not looking at me. I won't make fun of you, I promise. That's the downside of being the wife of a preacher. You get, you get illustrations. If there's one, one thing about our marriage, Karen would say, oh yeah, he's right. When we watch movies together, too often I fall asleep. And this like kind of kills the, the romance with your husband kind of sitting there like that. So, but there was one movie we watched that kept me awake. It captivated my attention. And it was the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which tells the true life story of private first class Desmond Doss. Doss was drafted during World War II, but he refused to bear arms on religious grounds. And so, as he went into the army to serve, he was ostracized by his fellow soldiers for his pacifist stance. But he went on to earn the respect and the admiration of his fellow soldiers. As a matter of fact, he went on to earn I'm going to say the Congressional Medal of Honor for risking his life, but he never fired a shot. He served as a medic and saved 75 men in the Battle of Okinawa. Now, if you want to meet a true life army medic, he's, oh no, he's going to talk about me now. Don't you hate it when I look at you and you know he's going to say something about Brandon and Madison Robertson have been coming here for the past couple of months. Wonderful couple. They just got married about four or five weeks ago. And he served in the military as a medic, right, for about the past 10 years. And so they don't know a lot of folks here. It'd be great for you to go up to him and, and talk to him. Um, but this movie, meet them, take them out to lunch. This movie, Hacksaw Ridge, it did a great job of showing how Desmond Doss exemplified this sacred commitment in the U.S. military to leave no one on the battlefield. Among the Christians in the church to whom Jude wrote this letter, there were on the battlefield of the fight for the faith, there were some wounded warriors. Some of the members of their church were hurting. Some of them were spiritually becoming weaker and weaker. Some of them were falling. Some of them had fallen spiritually. And this was all because of these attacks that Jude spoke of, that speaks of, that were coming against the church and against the Christian faith by those who infiltrated the ranks of the church. 
And what we read here in verses 22 through 23, there were, there were three categories of wounded warriors. And, and if you'll notice, Jude describes them in a progressively, in progressively greater degrees. There's three groups he's speaking to here. First of all, he speaks about those who doubt. So they, they, they hadn't just completely fallen, but they were falling. They were weak. They were wavering. They were struggling. And then, then he speaks of those who were in the fire, and they had fallen. That's the way I would interpret that. They were allowing themselves to be drawn into the dangerous influence of the heresy that was being propagated by the enemy. And then there was this third group, and, and Jude speaks of them as the others. And based upon the way that Jude describes him in verse 23, I get the impression these were the troublemakers. These were the ones that were actually causing the problem. They were the source of the danger. They had moved so far from the faith that they were, had become dangerous to the faithful. And so in this spirit of no one left behind, Jude speaks to the church and to those who were still firm in the faith. To those who have yet to be affected, he calls them to do all that they can to rescue these, these wounded warriors. Now let me enlarge the context a little bit. A few, big, few weeks back we looked in, in Jude, Jude's words in verse 20 where we read, Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. And we found two points there that were incredibly important. Point number one was your spiritual growth is your responsibility. But then secondly... We learn from that passage that the growth of your church is your responsibility. And so now, I think Jude is making a third point here in verse 23 that falls on the heels of that. And that is the growth of others in the church family is also your responsibility. As a church family, you are responsible for the well-being of your brothers and sisters. And this is not, oh, that's a new thought in Jude. No, it, it's all throughout Scripture. Incredibly clear in James 5. I've given this to you in your life groups to discuss. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, it happens. And someone should bring him back. Someone should. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin. And Paul, the apostle, in, in Galatians chapter 6, he, he makes a similar point. It's, it's almost identical to Jude. He says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, and there are members in this church family who are here this morning that are. There are members in this church family who are not here, who are caught in a sin. You who are spiritual... Doesn't mean perfect. You who are spiritual should restore him. I love this. Gently. But watch yourselves. Or you may also be tempted. Carry. Listen church. Listen to these words. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way. You fulfill the law of Christ. Kevin our new youth and family minister who just did a stellar job with the uh, announcements this morning. He did a great job, I think it was on a, on a Wednesday night, explaining the same truth, but he took our teens back to Genesis chapter 4. They, you know that conversation that, that God is having with Cain. And God says to Cain, hey Cain, where's your, where's your brother, Abel? And Cain's like, I don't know. 
like, am I my brother's keeper? And the implication of the story is, well, yeah, you are. The point Kevin made so well is, hey, guys, we are our brothers and our sisters keeper as family we are responsible for the well-being of one another and so in Jude here in his in this larger context of Jude where God is calling God's people to rise up and fight for the faith now here in verses 22 and 23 he's showing us that fighting for the faith is not simply about your self-survival oh it's so much more and it's not what you might think, it's not about a fight against others. You feel like it is. Let's fight against these people, come against the church and against our faith. It's a fight for others. He shows us here. A fight of rescuing those who in the fight for the faith are wounded warriors, leaving no one behind. And so here in these two verses, he, he makes four points. I want you to know this this morning. Four points of what it is that, that drives us in this fight for others. First of all, in verse 22, he tells us it's a fight that's driven by mercy. Verse 22, it's, it's clear. Be merciful to those who doubt. Verse 23 he calls us to others show mercy. And if you've been paying attention to Jude, you're not going, well, that's a new theme in Jude. No, it's a dominant theme in Jude. We saw it in, in verse 2 where we were told, and this is a beautiful verse, that God has lavished upon us the abundance of his mercy. We're filled to the brim and to overflowing with his mercy. That's how he kicks off this letter. And then we read also in verse 21, that we are those who are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for his mercy. Not for him to say, Eddie, good job. No, we're, we're waiting for his mercy. And because we have been lav he's lavished upon us his mercy, because we're waiting upon his mercy, how can we do anything else to anyone else other than just to express to them, to show them mercy? What is the mercy? I'll give you this working definition. It's an action. It's not just a feeling. It's an action of compassion as opposed to the inaction of apathy. Now, was it just random, you guys be merciful? Or was there a reason he was telling them you need to be merciful? And maybe it was because some of the church members were just a little bit arrogant. Maybe they were harshly judging and harshly treating those who were becoming weak, those who were falling, those who were struggling. And maybe some members had this holier-than-thou attitude of indifference with a, with a critical spirit, an impatient spirit. Clearly, I think there's a need to be merciful. As it sure seems to me, you may disagree, this third group were the people you might just wish, I just wish they would leave because they're just hurting us. Those, those who were the sources of the danger, he calls them to be merciful to them as well because they too are dearly loved by God in need of his mercy. And while a, a harsh rebuke, sometimes that's needed. And make, like, Jude's not shy with that at all, is he? So that's needed at times, but more effective often is mercy. 
in the attempts of a rescue. One writer states, mercy prefers to deal with the needy in terms of what is needed and not what is deserved. So first of all, what drives us, what should drive us, is what has been given to us that overflows through us to others. We are driven by mercy. Secondly, our fight for others, Jude tells us, is a fight that's driven by urgency. It's driven by urgency. Jews' use of the word snatch. Do you, do you see the snatch? He says, snatch others from the fire and save them. That denotes a forceful action of urgency. There's no place for procrastination. There's no place here for indifference. And that's because you're snatching them from the fire. And so you get this picture of a blazing fire, perhaps a fire, a house that's on fire, and there's someone there. There's an urgent need that is there. And so different people interpret this fire in different ways. Some will interpret this as there's people in the fires of trials. Some will interpret this as the fires of God's discipline to refine them, which that doesn't make sense to me because why would I want to rescue from what God is doing for their good? Others will interpret this in the larger context of, of Jude 7 saying this is the same fire that he mentioned in verse 7, the fire of eternal punishment. Snatch them from that while you can. So regardless of what you do with the fire here in this verse, it's clearly referring to those in grave danger. And because of the grave danger, there's an urgency. So we're driven by mercy. We're driven by urgency. And then thirdly, it's a fight that's driven by fear. He says in verse 23, to others show mercy mixed with fear. And in the context, I understand this means, but, but be careful. Use caution. In the attempt to save, one, save someone else, make sure you don't fall into the danger yourself. It, it, it can happen. There is a danger of, of being negatively influenced by the very ones you're trying to help. And so Jude, in making this point, he refers to these individuals that we're trying to rescue as having contaminated clothes. Clothes that are, how does he word it here? Clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And if you know your, the larger Bible, you're thinking, ah, he's probably referring to Leviticus 13. You know, it's got all those, Ryan Keith and I did a, a tag team. What a great thing that was. Uh, in the book of Leviticus, and, and in Leviticus 13, it says, watch out when you're with people that are unclean and they have contaminated clothing. If you're not careful, they, it will contaminate you. Use caution. And so Jude is picking up on that idea. In our rescue attempts of others, be careful that it doesn't rub off on you. And the clothing contaminated by or stained by corrupted flesh, literally in, in, in the original language, this is, this is referring to the, the undergarments, to the individual's underwear that's, that's worn next to the skin. And here it's soiled and stained. So that's kind of a nasty word picture that he's drawn there. But he's saying, hey, deal with these individuals in such a way as understanding that they have contaminated clothing, not letting yourself also be stained. And so with the analogies of fire and with the analogies of stained clothing, he calls them to be cautious. Rescue those from the fire, but don't get burned. Rescue those who are just nasty, muddy, without getting muddy yourself. So it's, it's a fight driven by mercy. It's a fight driven by mercy. By mercy. It's a fight driven by urgency. It's a fight driven by fear. And then fourthly, it's a fight driven 
by hatred. That's not a religiously correct word to use, I understand. Notice he says in verse 23, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Look, he doesn't say hate them. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? No, you don't hate them. You hate their clothing, which represents their behavior that you're seeing on the outside. Listen, there is a good and appropriate hatred that we as God's people need to have and we need to be driven by it. And I understand that's not talked about in church culture. And it's missing in our church culture, all in the name of let's be loving, let's be tolerant, let's not be judgmental. And, and we don't want to say anything that makes us come across like haters. But listen, to take a stand of hate against sin is not a stand of hate against the sinner. It's actually loving. We hate sin because we love people. And we hate what it is doing and what it does to others. In the same way that we, we hate cancer. We hate COVID. Can I get an amen? I hate COVID. I hate COVID. I hate COVID. I mean, just feels good to yell it. And I hate COVID because I love Stuart and Melanie McGuigan and I hate what COVID did to them and put them in the hospital and left their three children at home with COVID and they weren't sure if they would live through that experience. I love them. That's why I hate COVID. I hate COVID because I love Mike Headley's sister. We hate COVID for what it's doing to Mike Vintner's Mother, Mike, if you and Kat are with us, we love you guys and we're, we're praying for you. And so that's it. I want to help Stuart and Melanie. I don't want to get it, but I want to help them because I hate what's happening to them. We should be driven by that. And these emotions of hate and love are so strong that, that they, they don't allow us to sit by idly and, and watch as, as others fall to these attacks that are coming on the church and the Christian faith. But they call us to rise up with mercy and urgency to rescue the wounded warriors. And I'm reading this thinking, good grief, we need this. Don't we? We need to hear this. No, our situation, it's not just like Jude's and the people to whom he wrote this letter. Our church is a, in the nation is under attack and the faith is under attack. But our east side family is facing an attack. We have in our family some wounded warriors. And I'm not just speaking hypothetically. I'm thinking of people right now as I close my eyes. And, and yeah, it's, it's part of church life. That people get discouraged and hurt. And you experience fallout. You do. It's, it's, it's part of church life that people disappear. And quit coming. 
But man, it seems like it's happening more now than I've ever seen it. And it's, and it's for me, I hadn't written a book on this yet, but it seems as though all the right ingredients came together for you might call a perfect storm. Pandemic alone. <laughs> just put that in it. And then let's just, let's add to it some political strife. Put that in. And then let's, let's add to it, let's get some racial division and some racial strife in this story. Let's bring in some divisive behavior, a critical spirit. Let's bring in argumentative and combative behavior and speech. And you've got that out in the world. And all of a sudden it's just creeping into the church and leaving in its wake wounded warriors hurting people, angry people, hating people, anxiety, fear, loneliness, tension, doubts, confusion, irrational behavior, and like heightened sensitivities like I've never seen. And just growing feelings of discontent. And so we have painfully seen dear family members just disappear and they're gone. That's real. Wounded warriors on the battlefield of, of life and faith. I don't know about you, but that's just incredibly discouraging to me it makes me weary it just knocks the wind out of me like what 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 do what do we do what do I do and I'm reminded of the question that God asked Cain where is your brother And I hear him asking us the same question. Where is your brother? I mean, really. Seriously, where's your sister? Bob and Betty, who, they used to always sit, and I'm making a different name, but I'm thinking of someone They used to sit there. I haven't seen them in a good while. Andy and I were together yesterday and he asked me about someone who used to always sit right there. No, I haven't seen them either. Where have they been? How are they? <laughs> Where are they? The couple that, you know, sat there on the second row. He's got a walker. So friendly, so sweet. It's been a while. Are they still alive? Are they okay? Do I know their names? In this section, they used to have so many people here. Look at it now. Where are they? Who are they? How are they? And there's a, there's a number of people that aren't here and they shouldn't be here because they have some serious health issues. 
And so you're not getting a guilt trip from me if you do. And if you're home right now on live stream, you're not getting a guilt You should be here with the rest of us. We respect your wisdom. But for those of us that are here, do we know how they're doing? I'm pointing to the cameras that are looking at me. How, how are they? Have I reached out to them? That's my brother and my, my, my sister. And those of you that are with us on live stream and, and aren't here, have you been outside of yourself reaching out? Because you're needed. Not being unsafe. But are, are, are you reaching out to the hurting and the wounded warriors of our church? Or have you isolated yourself for your own protection? And, and, and so we closed for a while, we live streamed, and then a number of us, it's not because we, we don't have the health to come back, we just got out of the habit of coming back. There's a good number who are they? Where are they? How, how are they? Well, they're probably going to church somewhere else, so I'm sure they're okay. <laughs> Think about that. Think about it. You've got, you got a family of, of six in a home, and just for the past two or three months... One of the family members we haven't seen at the dinner table. And yeah, sure enough, I, I haven't seen him in his bedroom either. Well, you know, I, I heard that he's moved in around the corner of the house with, a, with another family because they have a really cool swimming pool and they have a really nice yard and they have a really nice new house. And so I'm sure he's okay. <laughs> That's your brother. That's your sister. Oh well. It happens. Someone about two years ago left our church family to, to be another part of our church, be another part of another church family. And so they're okay because they're going somewhere else. But they weren't. They weren't. And I was with him last week as he was crying and broken and hurting as a wounded warrior. Well, serves him right. Should have never left. Or, or I love this one. Who am I to judge? You're his brother. <laughs> You're his sister. That's who you are. And Jesus, Jesus does this so well, obviously. Obviously. He tells this parable in Luke 15. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Hey, it happens. I mean, I'm sure he's okay. I'm sure she's all right. I mean, she's probably joined a flock. They probably have a better looking shepherd and a nicer fence and, and greener pastures. And anyway, we still have 99. We even have some new members that are coming in to replace them. 
that's not, that's not how the parable goes. The parable reads like this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave? We're supposed to be following Jesus, so let's do that. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? It's a word picture he's painting in our minds. See it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And this parable draws a picture just like the one of the wounded warriors. And so you just got to think, if a shepherd would do that for an animal, if, if soldiers, if soldiers would live by such a sacred commitment of leave no one behind, oh, then church, how much more should we live by that sacred commitment in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we, we receive these words that you have spoken to us. And as you have lavished upon us your mercy, just let it brim over. Let us just overflow with it to our world and especially to the wounded warriors of our church family. Not that so we'll have emotional feelings like we may be having right now, but we'll have emotional feelings of mercy and urgency that lead us to action. God, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would remind us and make us aware of the wounded warriors in our midst. Tell us what you would have us to do. To him who's able to keep you from falling. Oh Lord, we receive these words that you closed Jude with. To him who's able to keep you from falling. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, power and authority. Through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now, and forevermore, in all the church said, Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.